0: Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we'll focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez Zampaolo
1: and Veronica de Michelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire.
0: Smart Habits for Translators. Today, we're really excited to be joined by a colleague we both admire very much. She's a translator, content writer, mom, and an expert in environmental issues and sustainability. She's been working as a translator for over 20 years and has grown and diversified her business within a very uh, niche specialization. In fact, her success in this area has even earned her the nickname Trash Girl, believe it or not. We're thrilled to be joined by our colleague and friend, Abigail Dahlberg. Abigail is a German-to-English translator and copywriter specializing in sustainability issues. After completing an MA in translation and interpreting at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh in 2001, she worked as a staff translator in Germany for several years before relocating to Kansas City and launching her freelance business in 2005. Over the past 15 years, Abigail has helped dozens of direct clients in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland communicate with an international audience via her business, Greener
2: Words. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, Abigail. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy to be here. Um, I think you both know I'm a regular listener and I spend a lot of my days pounding the pavements um, before before I get working in the morning listening to, to your latest episodes. So it's a real honor to be here today.
1: Thank you. Uh, welcome. We are so excited you're uh, joining us today. And I I just love the topic of sustainability. I worked in this field before I became a freelance translator. And I love learning uh, more and more about your business. I know you gave an interview for the ATA podcast talking about... Um, the field you work in and um, in in your business. And also it was really fun to listen to you as part of the panel and mastermind groups at the last ATA conference. It was just like little glimpses of how you run your business. And I'm really excited to give our listeners a little peek um, into that as well. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, So first, I'd love for you to tell our listeners and colleagues about yourself and your business.
2: So I am a German to English translator and an English language copywriter. Um, I work in the field of sustainability, as you said, I've always wanted to be a translator ever since I knew that that was a thing. Um, So I've kind of pursued a very traditional path towards a career in translation. I have a master's degree, as you said, and then after I uh, graduated, I moved to Germany and was in a case of really great happenstance, found a job working at a trade journal that specializes in recycling and waste management. And it was kind of a hybrid role. So I got to spend half of my time translating from German into English, the the texts that other journalists had written. And then the other part of my job was researching and writing articles in English of my own. And as part of the process, I got to go to trade trade shows and conferences and tour really smelly landfills and all that kind of thing. Um, And then in 2005, I moved to the States and found that there weren't that many jobs for recycling translators from Mm -hmm. German into English in the Kansas City area. So I just decided to, um, you know, dip my toes in the water and uh, go freelance. And yeah, the things have Yeah, really taken off from there and they've also evolved over time. I was thinking about this yesterday how um, just business has really changed in the past 20 years and not just um, machine translation but also um, just the the divergence that's happened between um, kind of the mass translation market and um, being on kind of the top end and so I've just kind of had to spend a lot of time thinking about what it is I want to do, um, and how to just keep having a job that delights me and that I can make money at. And um, yeah, it's just, I've been very, very lucky. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been a pleasure for sure. Mm,
1: that sounds great. so cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. So as you probably know, we talk a lot about smart habits here on the podcast. And actually, we wanted to ask you about that too. Um, and for us, smart habits are those things that Uh, can help you in your work and in everyday life. So uh, we're curious to know what are some smart habits that have been crucial in your career?
2: Um, I think for me, one, uh, I I don't know if this is per se a smart habit, um, is just to keep learning, Mm -hmm. to have a sense of curiosity. And if you read something, just kind of follow, go down that rabbit hole and learn more and more about it. Um, And I think that's really helped me over the years to decide Um, what I want to work on, but also what I don't want to work on. Mm. (laughs) Um, I think that's just been really important to me is just to keep learning and always take some kind of new course to grow my perspective and also um, dive into neighboring fields to kind of know, keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industries that I serve. Mm. Another one, I think as well, that's super important or has been so important to my career is um, networking at conferences. I actually um, went back a couple of years ago and did a breakdown of or traced back every single client that I had and where they had found me in the first place. And I worked out that I think it was 40 to 50 percent of my clients had come from other translators. Mm. And I think yeah. as a bunch, we're just very friendly and um, very collegial. And there's a lot of referring that goes on. I think it's a very small industry that we work in. And if people know that you do good work and they know what you specialize in, then they're happy to refer projects yeah. to you. And then vice versa, if I have something that comes my way, that's not my language pair, not my specialty, I'm more than happy to refer it to competent colleagues that I have around me.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that that's something that a lot of um, translators and interpreters, like I've heard some people complain, like only translators and interpreters are seeing my my stuff on LinkedIn or something. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, yes, you can change that. Obviously, there are ways to change that to get more in touch with clients. But for example... Why would you not want them to see what you're what you're doing and what you're you know sharing? Because mm-hmm. then they might refer people to you. The more that they see you, the more top of mind they'll be. So you made a very good point about networking at conferences. I think that's really valid for service based businesses to depend. We do depend on referrals quite a bit. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah, word really of cool. mouth has just been huge to my career. Um, yeah. I think I said forty percent comes from other translators, but another forty percent comes from referrals from existing clients. See, so yeah, yeah, it's really been there's. I've been very fortunate in that I haven't had to do a huge amount of um, outreach work to get new clients. I've always been very lucky that it's come organically my way. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah.
0: And something that Veronica was mentioning earlier is that you were you were interviewed for the ATA podcast and something you said on that episode, which by the way, it was really good. I share it with like everybody. <laughs> um well, something you said was, uh, and I thought this was so smart, and you said, you know, with so much going on now in the way of technology and translation, you wanted to make sure that you were going to continue to be able to be relevant to your clients and continue to offer something that machines will never be able to do. And so you've already um, done quite a bit of, of work in, in a specific field, but you diversified, which we're going to get into later, of course. Um, but you do quite a bit of copywriting as well, right?
2: Yeah, um, that's become an increasingly large part of my business. Um uh-huh. And I think to your point, I think I just, I'm always thinking about like, how can I add value as a, as a translator? How can I serve my yeah. clients as a language consultant? What little things can I do to go out of my way so that they come back to me? I mean, there's the the old adage that's been going around forever that it takes, I think seven times more effort to um, attract a new client than to keep one that you already have. So I'm, I'm always trying to think of ways as well, just to keep the clients that I have um, happy and coming back.
0: Yeah, excellent. Excellent advice. Um, So between your business, your volunteering and your family, there's a lot to keep track of and to follow through on. (laughs) Um, So do you have any systems, processes or habits in place that help you to stay organized?
2: <laughs> um, I have to admit I am a pen and paper girl all the way. I have tried <laughs> so many different programs and apps and things over the years. And every January I tell myself, I'm gonna find the one this year. And I just haven't found it. And I've just decided yeah. that I really need to come to terms with that. So the one thing that I do use that has been super helpful is the full focus planner. I think do you have used okay. it, Madeline, as well? Mm-hmm. I really yes. um I really like the format of it. I like the way that it makes you set up your week and also just focus on what are the three most important things for me to do today. Um, Prioritizing has just been huge um, in keeping organized, especially during the pandemic. I I kind of adopted this mantra, which I still uh, use to this day, which is just do the next right thing. And I think that we get really overwhelmed a lot of times with all of our responsibilities as parents, as professionals, as just people. (laughs) And so a lot of times I just had to remind myself, okay, when I feel like I'm juggling all these balls in the air and one is about to fall, what's the next right thing for me to do in this scenario? And so I really, especially during the pandemic, just had to prioritize on like, just, you know, my my kids and on my business um and that meant also like give, dropping other things like we signed up for um hello fresh like a, a meal kit subscription that my son now calls happy meals <laughs> so it gets very nah. confusing when he asks what happy meal is for dinner um but yeah that kind of thing just to make life easier um like any simple hacks that i can use to take a little bit of stress out and um is definitely helpful
0: That's great. Yeah, I I agree. And I use quite a bit of pen and paper too. I do have some programs that I use. We've talked about some here. Also, Veronica has talked about some, but there is something about putting pen to paper that, I don't know, it, it helps you remember certain things better, I find. And it just makes your plan feel much more concrete sometimes too.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of a nice thing as well. Like I'll sit in the bed in bed in the morning, just with my planner and a cup of tea. And it just kind of is a good way to start off the day by thinking about, okay, what have I got on my plate today? What matters most? And what can I put back till tomorrow? Um, yeah. And just kind of recognizing as well that you don't have to do everything today. <laughs> you know, there are definitely things yeah. that we have to do, but we don't have to do everything today, you know?
0: Exactly. Well, you segued into our next question really well. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, our question is, how do you decide which aspect of your business needs more attention right now? And what is your process for setting the priorities in your business?
2: Uh, yes so um another part of the puzzle is that i'm actually a single parent um and so and i'm the only person until recently i'm the only source of income in the house so a lot of times it's very much flying by the seat of my pants i have to say because <laughs> uh-huh. um i'm everything to everybody um yeah. but i think also i i've also i was thinking about this yesterday I've realized that there are seasons in your career, in my career, and there've definitely been seasons of expansion. And I think right now I'm in a season of trying out new things. And with that, I've just learned to let other things go that would have seemed more important in an expansion period. Yeah. So, um so right now I'm kind of in a season where I'm not really doing much outreach, I'm not doing much social media, but mm-hmm. I am behind the scenes putting a lot of effort into like industry qualifications, into working on big projects for clients that I feel like next year are going to um really set me up for success. And also as I'm in a new season of working on sustainability reports, like actually writing them, mm-hmm. um, a lot of I them for that. the first time. That's um, great. I'm also trying to figure out like what the rhythms are in that. You know, when are the busy times? Um yeah. how and, and as as I'm doing some of these for the first time, just like how much time it actually takes me to sit down and do certain sections. So mm. I've just kind of decided that I'm giving myself this year to learn what rhythms are going to look like within that, mm-hmm. um, and let other things slide that I wish I could put energy into right now, but the, my attention is best served by focusing on on the things that I think are going to set me up for the next few years ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, good advice. I love that. That's <laughs> very good advice.
1: So wise. Um, and it's something we all should be doing more of is to be more in tune with yourself. And I really love that. Um, the definition of seasons in life yeah. and, and career, um, too. So that's really cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had seasons in my career where mm-hmm. I've just kind of rested on my laurels, like admittedly, like I've just, <sighs> I haven't done anything. I've just kind of been stagnant. And I've realized at the end of those, like how I'm kind of losing my passion for translation or I'm not as fulfilled as I once was. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just important to always have that little spark that makes you, you know, excited to get up. And translation has just been a dream career for me. I have loved every every minute of it. I'm so lucky to do something that I genuinely love. Um, and so I don't ever want to lose that feeling of, you know, feeling like it's a grind because, yeah, mm. like I said, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely happy to sit down at the computer every day.
1: Mm-hmm. So one other thing we wanted to ask you about is uh, boundaries. Uh, we often talk about the importance of boundaries in our professional lives. And this can be a hard thing to do when you're a freelancer. Um, so what boundaries have you set in your professional life and how do you
2: maintain them? <laughs> I'm laughing because I think I'm very much um, a work in progress in this regard. Um, Admittedly, I am a bit of a people pleaser and I will bend over backwards to help clients. And I think, unfortunately, that's what um, led to. I had a real bad phase of burnout at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I read something that was just mind blowing to me that somebody said, as a translator, I think it was Corinne McKay, she's so wise, um, said, as a translator you are a non-renewable resource like you are the main resource that your business has and there aren't more than you and I think that's especially true when you work in a niche Mm -hmm. because there just aren't that many people that that have that same degree of specialization that I can hand stuff off to and so that's really made me sit back and think about the commitments that I have like I've definitely stepped back from volunteering I used to be a mentor I used to be an ATA chapter president and I loved those things so much um and speaking conferences and things like that but i just had to really kind of make my commitment small for us like i said for this season mm-hmm. uh, in the knowledge that in the, it's not always going to be that way you know i'm sure yeah. that in a year or two um i'll definitely have a little more free time to um to to vote to, to more volunteering things again um and so, yes, boundaries. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just really i'm i'm working. I'm working. I'm working on it. Let's say that. Yeah, and it, it's a constant, yeah. right? It's a constant work in progress for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, there's. Um, I don't want to like advocate the hustle, but as a single parent, especially, I'm conscious of the fact that I really do have to. Sometimes have a little more flexibility in my schedule because there are times when my kids will need me, and yeah. i'm the only set of you know I'm the only parent on hand, so it's like I have to make that happen and so in exchange for that, I do work quite a lot of weekends and I do work some evenings so that I can get everything done. Um, And I think that's okay. I think it's, I've decided that I I really did want to have a very strict, like nine to five office hours. And I think I've just kind of come to peace with like, that's not, that's not the current, um, that's not the current environment uh, for my business. And I think that's okay, as long as I can kind of make sure that I'm having those boundaries elsewhere to um, kind of make sure that I'm taking care of myself at other points. Like if I have a quieter spot in the week, if I've worked on a weekend and I have like a Tuesday afternoon where there's nothing really pressing, like I will gladly take that time off and go for a walk or something just to do something for myself. That's really great.
1: So you mentioned earlier that you're not just a translator, you're also a copywriter. And uh, we wanted to talk a little more about that. We really appreciate hearing about colleagues who diversify their businesses in different ways. And um, as we were brainstorming guests for this episode, your name came up several times. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about the process of why you decided to diversify your service offerings and how you went about it?
2: Yeah, I think it's really been an organic process. I can't say that I really was like Mm single-minded in in any of these decisions or things that have happened. I think I just kept an eye on, like kind of kept an eye on trends and also tried to decide about what I wanted to do and who I wanted to serve Mm -hmm. and who I, what I didn't want to do. Like I knew very early on, I, In my career I um, translated something medical and I was up all night like in sweats having panics about had I got the terminology right and all the things and I swore to myself after that I was never going to touch medical again and so Mm. I like I said there was this really strange happenstance where I ended up working for this recycling trade journal and over the years there I think I spent like four or so years there um, I'd really kind of developed a lot of knowledge about well, trash. Um, and, so, <laughs> and when I moved to the States, I was also in a very fortunate position in that my in-house employer kept me on for a number of hours each week to start off with. And so um, I was working for them, but then over time, I kind of gradually built up my business by... Kind of um, working with more and more contacts in the translation industry that knew I did recycling, but also um, people from that I'd met at trade fairs and things like that. And so for a long time, I really just just <laughs> I was I was a German to English recycling translator, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. Um, and then at the same time as all of this was going on, I was um, I've always I think you both know I'm like a really voracious reader (laughs) and um, I also write personally like I I've done a lot of storytelling writing for friends and um, for personal interests and I'd always really enjoyed that. And I thought, well, you know, I wonder if. That's the next thing is to kind of marry those two things, like my personal writing, personal enjoyment of that, and also the recycling piece. And so I think I did a course with Madalena, which was great, by the way. And um, I think I actually did two courses. And then I did a, a number of other kind of smaller, shorter courses and read a ton and just found that this was a a great sweet spot for me um and over time that's kind of evolved as well from I'm really not doing quite as much recycling as I once did um I've now kind of evolved more into sustainability reports and specifically sustainability reports um that require like some elements of storytelling Mm -hmm. like I think that's really my my where I'm at my current sweet spot which has moved over the years is um yeah persuasive content marketing storytelling and yeah just really fun it's really fun to me and I really enjoy it Um, so yeah so that's where I am right now but honestly you could probably come back in two years and ask me and my sweet spot (laughs) would probably have shifted again (laughs) maybe do something a little bit different. I mean it's not a million miles away from what I've always done but it's just there's that in sustainability reporting in particular there's um, you're kind of combining two sets of skills it's the technical knowledge of Sustainability and all the different elements that go into that, into um, like water treatment and energy management, um, but also um, just having good writing skills has been really important to me. Um, it's so yeah. true. Yeah, that's so
0: true. You know, it's interesting too because one of the things that I often tell people is that unfortunately, like, not every business needs translation, but every business needs good content and mm-hmm. good writing. And not everybody's capable of, you know, you know, effective writing in different ways. And, you know, like I could never think of how to do storytelling with something like recycling or sustainability. <laughs> right. But that's your area. I and mean, right. that's really cool. And if you have a passion for that and you're good at that, I mean, why not develop it? And it certainly in the process, you're doing so much research for what you're writing as well. I'm sure that that also complements your translation work.
2: Yes, yeah, it's definitely very um there's a lot of crossover and um I really yeah, it's 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 fun. I've been writing a lot of um articles lately as well about all different elements of sustainability and it goes so deep. Like I think that's one thing is like as as translators and i think we might we think we might touch on this as well is i feel like you just need like an inch wide but then go a mile deep so it's like you find your one little mm. sweet spot and then just like learn everything you can about it and read really good writing in your target language but also in your source language but target language especially um, and I'm also like, I'm a, I have a notebook in my pocket all the time. And whenever I come across some kind of like phrasing or something that sounds really good, I'll just jot it down. I think uh, another translator said said the phrase something about being a lassiness reader, and that's really stuck with me. Um, that you know, that just if you feel find a really nice turn of phrase or a really good piece of writing that makes you think, wow, and it makes you stop and think, why is this good piece of writing? and yeah. i think it's just it's good to always have those things to come back to at some point and just kind of take them apart even and and realize mm-hmm. why something is such a good story you know why what what kind of models it's followed so no. i'm just i'm i'm like i said i'm very curious to to know more all the time and that's really i can i can definitely recommend that
0: that's awesome i love hearing that it's it's so cool to see what you've done in the last few years for with the with the writing I mean, I, I was so impressed I, to go from what you started to doing now sustainability reports is like really impressive. So, kudos to you.
2: Thank you. It's been it's been kind of crazy, um, in a, in all the best <laughs> way, in all the best ways. I think, um, I was thinking as well about, um, kind of how how I've got here and I think a lot of it like I said is just being the right place at the right time but also having the right contacts like LinkedIn has been a really big source of work for me like the the first the first big full-length um, sustainability report that I did this year somebody was just accessing on LinkedIn like do we know anybody who knows somebody that um, speaks German Can write well in English and knows the sustainability space, and like two or three translators like tagged me in that, Mm. and I ended Mm. up getting that job, and that kept me busy for like the first three months of this year. So,
0: wow, amazing! Yeah, that's so cool. Well, so Abigail, if you could give our colleagues and listeners your best advice for specializing in a niche field or market and diversifying your your services, what would what would your tips
2: be? Oh, okay. Um, so I think. Some another piece of advice that I got really early on in my career that has served me well is follow the money, and try and find an area that combines your passion and profitability. Because at the end of the day, we all have bills to pay, and I would gladly translate for sustainability organizations like all day long if I could. But the reality is, as I said earlier, like I'm the only one bringing money into the house and paying for insurance and all of those things, and so I do have to find you know a, a a way to kind of reconcile those two things um and so sustainability reports for me specifically and i'm sure there's lots of examples in other fields it's not just sustainability reports because there's always something that's kind of on the bubble that's coming up that's good to have your eye on yeah. um has been like i said just um as sustainability issues become more and more in the spotlight and companies are increasingly having an obligation to report about sustainability issues mm. um there's they just they have to write these reports if they hit a certain size and they're in certain countries. So mm-hmm. it, there is a market that's growing. Um, and I think once I recognize that, another thing that that I did, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm beating my own drum here, but one thing that um, that was really help has, has been helpful is that I figured out like what the industry qualification was that people looked for in that industry. And in sustainability, Mm. that's called the GRI, like um, the Global Reporting Index. And they they set standards, which the vast majority of companies use. And so in the middle of the pandemic, I was doing like becoming a GRI certified sustainability professional. So I have like an industry designation um, and that is recognized in the industry. And I think that's important oh, that's as well, right. just to to step aside from like outside of the translation industry bubble and look and see mm-hmm. what people are, what people um, really value in the industries, like what are this what are the organizations and the credentials that people in the industry are doing? And so, yeah, I did that last year and I have to update it this year because as they're updating the standards, they're also updating the certifications. So it's always and that's the fun thing is that I'm now learning more about like the human rights aspects of um, ESG. So environmental, social and governance reporting, which I hadn't touched on as much in the first course. So it's really interesting to always be learning and doing stuff. Um, And then and then in addition to that. I think that the the basics of just being really good at what you do. I think word of mouth, like I've said earlier is just really important. And I think people know who does the the good work. And um, if you're really accommodating and nice to work with um, that information gets around. Um, So yeah, just um, another thing is think about um, who has the budget to pay the rates that you want to charge. So in my case, um, I've found over the years that that tends to be consulting companies, publishers, and um, those kinds of companies. It's it's less common that say environmental organizations um, like grassroots organizations will have the budget to pay the, the rates that I charge, but that doesn't mean that I can't work for them on a pro bono basis. Like I have a small number of pro bono projects I do each month. Um, and so just to think about who, who can who can pay the rates that you want. And then just try and be very specific in the way that you approach them. Try and, if you're on LinkedIn, try and be writing about the topics that are of interest to those people rather than kind of staying in the translation industry echo chamber um, Yeah, has been really, really helpful as well. And just writing, just writing honestly, I think being authentic and um, I think just being... Just being a nice person and like telling stories like I last year or a couple of years ago, I was really on top of my LinkedIn posting and I had people like that I hadn't worked for for a while that just reached out to me and said, I've really been enjoying your posts. Like I don't have any work right now, but I just wanted to say like I've been enjoying reading your stories. Um, And so I think it's just a way of like being engaged with, you know, the people that you don't know if they will have work for you, but they might know somebody down the line that does.
0: That's right yeah exactly you know you never know who knows someone else exactly i agree completely very cool um So finally, we wanted to uh, ask you a question about work-life clarity, and you've sort of touched on the topic a bit already in this conversation, Um, but we like to talk about work-life clarity uh, rather than work-life balance on our podcast, which is a concept we heard about from um, Deliberate Freelancer, that podcast, and it resonated with us so much that we ask this uh, of every guest, um, and that is, you know... For us, work-life clarity is extremely important for freelancers and small business owners, you know, understanding the difference between uh, when you need to spend more time on one area than the other. So what are your thoughts on this and how do you try to protect the boundaries between your work and your personal life?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) I think like I kind of said earlier, I'm definitely a work in progress in this regard. I think... um, I try to get up early first thing in the morning um, before anybody else in the house is up and sit and plan out my day. And then I'll check email because the vast majority of my clients are in Europe. And so because of the time difference, I want to make sure that, you know, uh, anything that's come in overnight while I'm sleeping, I can hit straight away. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and if not, like if there isn't anything really pressing, I'll make sure that I just have a few minutes to myself before I go downstairs, my office is on a separate floor um to to the main part of the house and so mm-hmm. just having a minute to kind of set up the day well and then just also having kind of clear boundaries with my children about that <laughs> you know I think at the at the, si- at the start of the pandemic I had a sign that I put on the door that was like meeting in progress shh um <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're older now they're um they're sixteen and twelve and so they're 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 better trained than they perhaps were when they were toddlers. Um but they you know and they and they know and they can understand that, you know I, if I need to take a call and I've got a, you know, I have a client that's on the phone and I need to talk in German, like they can't be like giggling in the background in the kitchen. Like I have to go downstairs and have a serious conversation and they need to be quiet. So, um, but yeah, just trying to be intentional and being wherever I am fully. So that means that if I'm translating, then I'm translating, like I'm not doing you know rounds of laundry I'm not driving kids all over the place like these are my however many hours and that's what I focus on but then equally when I'm not at work like I try and be intentional at the time that I have with the kids that um that I'm you know sitting building lego or you know taking them to swim at a lake for an afternoon if I have no work that kind of thing so um yeah just being wherever I am fully I think has been really important
0: that's a great advice and great way to put it too because you know you you can try to multitask, but you're always going to be giving something less attention than the other. So what is, you know, what are you going to focus on really makes that a lot more clear.
2: Yeah. And as I said as well, like uh, definitely it's something that I still struggle with. It's not to, by any means to say that I've completely got it figured out. I think, especially now in this kind of summer season when kids are out of school and some, some are in summer school, some aren't, and it's like there's a constant mom taxi thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's just more important for me to protect the, that that's, that space that I do have. For some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why this is, <laughs> it's more important for me to, I find it even more important to protect my, my mind space when I'm writing versus when I'm translating for some reason my when I'm writing I need complete silence and no distractions whether sometimes I can you know translate with music on in the background and it's not quite I don't know why that is Mm. it's just something with my way my brain works
0: yep I'm the same I get it interesting yeah
1: Well, this was really, uh, really inspiring. That's such a great conversation, and we're very grateful you joined us today, Abigail. It's always a pleasure to learn from you, listen to you, and um, I hope that our listeners find it helpful too. But uh, before we go, we'd love to um, ask you to join us for a special segment. Uh, We like to ask our guests to share something with our listeners about a favorite book or gadget or resource, um, anything you like and uh, think other people might enjoy. And we call this segment Guests' Favorites. So is there anything that you'd like to recommend?
2: Yes, when you you told me about this, I felt like you were asking me to pick one of my favorite children and I had like 25 (laughs) children that I had to pick between. So I've narrowed it down to three things, taking a broad idea of resources, Mm -hmm. definition of resources into mind. So the first one I wanted to recommend for, for storytellers or for people that are interested in writing about storytelling is a book called Let the Story Do the Work by Esther K. Choi. Um, It talks a lot about like the formulations that go into story writing, but also just like the title says, like, let the story lead and it'll go where it needs to go. Mm. My second tip is that I always have three tabs open on my computer whenever I'm translating or writing. I always have a collocation dictionary, a thesaurus and an idiom dictionary open because I found over time as well, um, especially when translating from German into English, English uses idiom, especially sustainability reporting uses idiom a lot more in English so I'm always kind of like thinking and trying to get my brain to tick over in new ways so I always have those three tabs open I just thought I'd throw that out there Mm. for people Um, and then my third this is a little woo-woo I'm just (laughs) gonna throw it out there (laughs) and I, I don't exactly know what this is but it's something that I found very useful over time is to find an activity that keeps your hands so your limbs so your hands or your feet moving but leave space for your brain to turn. So lately I've been doing pottery classes. Um, oh, so I've cool. been throwing pottery and so my hands are engaged, but I'm finding that it, my brain is really thinking about other things, like about work or about whatever I'm working on. And the same thing goes for like walk. I've been going for a lot of walks in the forest where I'm super clumsy. So I have to pay a lot of attention to make sure I'm not falling over a uh, you know, a tree limb or basically the flat ground earth in front of me. Um, And so there's something about that I haven't quite worked out yet. But I think especially if you're a creative writer or working on the creative side of translation, it's important to nourish your creativity in ways that, um, that aren't directly word related. I think, yeah, yeah, so I've just been thinking about those three things lately, and I've definitely with the pottery especially has been has been very interesting for me to learn some things, like uh, for instance, last time I learned, um, I'm kind of a beginner still, um, that, but when you're throwing pottery, you have to throw the the clay right into the center of the wheel. And the mm-hmm. first thing that you do is center it. And if your clay isn't centered, then you're never going to get anything, you know, a, a piece of pot out of it. Because when you pull it, when you pull the clay off to the side, it's just going to be distant, you know, um, mm-hmm. uneven. Yeah. And so it just kind of reminded me of like importance of life as well. Like if I'm uneven, like I'm not going to be creating my best work. Wow. So I need to think yeah. about me as also a piece of clay that can be molded. Like how can I? How can I be the most centered version of myself as a professional, as a mom, as a person, so that I can create the best thing that I need to create Mm. today? I love this. I like the analogy. Oh, it's so good. Isn't it? Yeah, there's so much stuff in pottery. I'm just learning so much about it. It's very, very interesting. So yeah, I encourage, just try something different. Like, Even I know at the ATA conference, there's a couple of knitters that I always see. And so I've been thinking a lot about that, about the hat, keeping the hands or the feet moving. And something, uh-huh. there's something in that. I'm not sure what it is. So if, if there's a listener out there that knows the exact word for what that is, please let me know so I can dig oh, even yeah. deeper.
0: <laughs> cool. I love this. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be thinking about this more and more now. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Abigail. We know our colleagues and listeners will love hearing from you as much as we did. Before we go, where can our colleagues learn more about you or find you online?
2: Um, The best place right now, um, I I have a website, um, it's called greenerwords.com, that has a lot about my services, and I'm currently aspiring to get more back on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter, um, both at the handle at greenerwords, Um, but yeah, you'll see me at this year's ATA conference too, so if you're there, please come and say hi. Yeah, we'll
1: add those links to your show notes. And yeah, I really look forward to seeing you in LA um, this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a wrap on this episode. Uh, later this week, our email subscribers will get a summary of the episode with all the links to the resources that we mentioned today. So if you're not receiving our emails yet, please sign up on our website, smarthabitsfortranslators.com.
0: And if you like this episode, please follow our podcast, share it with your colleagues and friends and leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. This only takes a minute and we've recorded a quick video tutorial to show you how to do it. You'll find that in our show notes. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered some simple strategies that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic
1: you want us to cover, please send us a message at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you liked this episode, we'd appreciate if you'd leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and please share the podcast with other translators you know.